Playfully, the podcast that talks with the most playful people I know and asks them how they got to be so playful. I'm Emily Cordy Straff. My guest today is a writer and a creative who is a brand and story consultant. He counts amongst his clients DreamWorks Animation, Universal Pictures, Warner Brothers, DC Comics, Lego, Fisher Price, Hasbro, and several others. One of the latest Maurer Meta Story newsletters caught my eye because it talked about this important pivot that story makers and game makers should make, which was to think of play and toys for adults, specifically for millennial and Gen Z makers. Since Playfully is all about play for adults to connect, I wanted you all to meet him as we chat about how and why to play fully. Please welcome Kevin Moore to the pod. Well, thank you, Emily, for uh, inviting me on to your podcast. And uh, play and story in the intersection of those two is uh, has literally been um, a life's passion for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, most of the clients that I have done uh, work with on their projects um, really want those stories to be more than just a single expression. They want them to be. Uh, uh, they want them to be video games. They want them to be toys. They want them to be clothing. They want them to be uh, goods that are in your kitchen. Um, and what's what's fun and what at least I find incredibly interesting is those are all actually ways that the audience uh, uses story. So, you know, it's it's sometimes we think of things when we're uh, uh, talking about a commercial story. Um, you know, it's it sounds like, uh, uh, you know, it's a used car uh, conversation and someone's trying to get you to buy something. And th- that's not the case at all. The reason why people fall in love with these stories and they have the capability of doing those things is they're they're powerful, they're meaningful, but they're also playful. Mm. And, uh, you know, these days, uh, and we can unpack that some, but these days, uh, the the world of storytelling has been evolving in part because the millennial family is, you know, also evolving. It's somewhat different um, than the generations that came before it. Um, and, and some of the ways that it's different, probably the most important way, since we're talking about play, is the millennial family has uh, the adults in it, the millennials mm-hmm. are really the first generation to bring their full spectrum of play with them, along with them, right into adulthood. Hmm. And um, which is super interesting because, you know, if you go back to the 1950s and you ask somebody, what is the ideal adult? Um, the first word out of their mouth would be responsible, mm-hmm. responsible, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, at least that's, you know, <laughs> Parents, grandparents in my family, thats it was really all about being responsible. And yeah. these days, way up that list now, you're going to find uh, millennials will use the word fun mm-hmm. uh, and joyful and uh, words around quality of life. Um, so, so play is now in a different posture um, when it comes to stories. Frankly, when it comes to all of our lives, we're all becoming more 
uh, millennial. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that's, that, that's, that drives a big part of uh, my life, but is also a huge interest for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it really speaks to the dynamicness of story and play and how it can, you know, help us grow and how we, when we grow the stories and play that we pull into the next uh, stage in life or something too. Yeah. That's really yes, absolutely. In fact, um, I'm sure you, you know this because of your background and also the many guests that you've had on, but um, you know, uh, there's an old adage, which is plays the work of childhood. Right. And uh, the new adage is uh, plays the work of being a human being. And um, it's really very true when when we're we're in a playful state or exploring something uh, using our agency. And that's something you'll find a lot that I talk about when we're talking about stories is the idea of agency. We'll go back to that. But uh, when as a human being, you're using your agency and it's more of a, a free form agency, we can't help ourselves. We We become playful. Yeah. And uh, it's it's frankly what we're doing is we're like setting aside um, a lot of the rules that are put around us or or let's say those things that, um, you know, when we're doing our job, there's a series of goals that we have to meet and meetings we have to go to. And we're setting aside much of that and we're 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 opening ourselves to this intuitive relationship with whatever it is we're using our agency to explore. Mm. And it's built into us to have, um, you know, the pleasure and fun and laughter and community, inviting others in and sharing it and gaining knowledge and and all of that um, really, really is empowered by what we have traditionally called uh, play. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to think of it as the ultimate freeform agency for a human being. Mm. If only, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean... There is this way, uh, I, I'm only uh, pegging on this work and play and how it, they have to be so succinct, you know, in our society or um, work and play in childhood. We sort of talk about, we on, we can only think about childhood in our own frame, you know, like in our own um, kind of um, the roots of um Protestant kind of work ethic kind of ways, you know, like this must be their work, right? So, okay, now we can, now we can let them have it, right? So, and it's interesting how um, we then have to make it very succinct. So work can't be play. It has to be work, right? It has to be hard and it has to be rough and it has to be, you know, very um, fast moving and um, not joyful, not peaceful, not, you know, pleasant or pleasureful or something like that. Um, So, and, and uh, it's just, it's interesting. I kind of think that we might be gearing toward a society that can actually uh, appreciate play for the play and not have to frame it around work. I agree with that very much. Um, Honestly, we're already seeing the vanguard Mm -hmm. of those changes. I mean, um, there's no question in my mind that part of the reason, and there's many, but part of the reason why there is such pushback about, um, you know, uh, going back to being five days a week in the office is that uh, 
not because we've, as we're home, we have said, now I'm going to play. But I think what we as, uh, you know, as, as human beings are rediscovering is um, that when you let your curiosity lead you forward and when you let uh, then apply your agency to, to go and get it and to discover something and that that has this incredible ability to make your work not only more effective, but richer and more exciting. And that didn't happen in offices for the most part. And I think uh, generally we're all very loath to give that up. Mm. We we got into our homes and we found um, that we were actually able to access um, the things that we might call a little playful while we were in our work state. Mm. And uh, I actually believe that that's far healthier <laughs> than than being in a place where um, you have to kind of let all of that go. Um, and now you have to get, you know, extremely serious and um, you have to let, you know, any any of that, that that has to do with exploration, you have to let it go. Mm-hmm. If there's anything true about this moment in time that we're in um, as, as humans is that uh, the change curve is almost straight up. Right, almost straight up, and what that means is uh, the 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 greatest and most valuable skill. We all know it. We feel it. It's uh, sometimes what gives us anxiety. Yeah, it's the ability to adapt, and you do, no one adapts better than when they're playing. Ah. and and this is true, frankly, even uh, in my business in in stories, is. Uh, Part of what I I really help the creators and the writers and the producers to do is to recognize um, everyone is connecting to their stories much more strongly now. We, you know, we don't put our hopes, dreams, and trust in institutions anymore. We actually put them in stories. How's that for a statement? Wow. And it's very true. Um, you know, we, we we're concerned about our governments, we're concerned about our police, we're concerned about institutions, because it seems like every day, there's another report that says you should not trust them. Mm-hmm. Um, so the places we're putting, uh, you know, the importance of the things that we dream about or believe in, right, um, which is literally our, our uh, individual moral structures is, and, and guidance for our moral structures, we are now putting those in our stories, especially millennials. I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, as an example, Star Wars, uh, a number of years back, I'm trying to remember, maybe it was 2014 or so, um, there was um, a census that was done uh, somewhere uh, in one of the UK countries, don't remember which one it was. Um, And uh, like 30,000 people came back and said their religion was Jedi. Right. And since then, uh, there's a number of people who got together and created the Church of the Jedi. And it's a real church that has, uh, it's, it's not about cosplay and it's not about any of that. It's it's proof that people literally are putting their belief structures in grand works of fiction that they feel are have truth in them. Right. So that's a powerful thing that everybody is doing is, is we're really finding a lot of our meaning where we're exploring it through stories. 
Mm. And that means we want, I use the word explore, mm -hmm. is we want our stories to be a place we can go play. Mm. And that's a, that is a big part of what I do is how to, how to help the story, not just tell the story, yeah. but to be that incredible sandbox that we used to use other parts of our lives for. Um, we're looking to our stories to do that. And that's, uh, that's a chunk of what I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to inspire us, to help us climb that giant change curve. I love, I love the way you explain that. That's beautiful. So there's something ringing in my head right now. I know my husband's going to make me say this. <laughs> <laughs> because I have a whole fleet of Star Wars uh, action figures downstairs that were his. And he is not a millennial, though. We are Gen Xers. <laughs> and I think there's something a little bit rattling around in my head that's like, wait, there was a Gen X situation that just kind of um, got kind of glommed on, I think, to the millennials. And, you know, we in the transition of our society to a little bit more of a, hey, wait, you need to pay attention to me. You know, there's a lot of people here. Um, I think Gen X kind of slid under there. <laughs> the uh, you're you're on one of my favorite subjects, which is uh, Gen X, the forgotten generation. <laughs> is uh, you know Gen X was half the size of Boomers in terms of generation size, and then Millennials were ginormous again. So it's funny when people talk, they talk about Boomers or Millennials. Yeah, and the the truth is um, that the, these. The ideas of how human beings move forward doesn't instantaneously just pop into being in one generation. Yeah, it happens over time, and Gen X had and still has these ginormous contributions to how that works, uh, and 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 is very responsible for what then moved into the millennial generation and where they found themselves. You know, of course, they're unique because every generation. Um, you know, sees a different world, uh, has to adapt to it differently, uh, as and is part of a, and um, if you know this, a four generation cycle, ah. which is uh, you know fascinating. I have to; these are things that uh, I enjoy uh, learning about because um, uh, what generation you're in does have an effect on um, the stories that you find. Um, impactful and truthful, right? Mm -hmm. So, because you know, you know, remember when you're a when you're a kid, your underlying moral structure is formed, and then when you're a young adult, it's that's your first expectations that get created. Uh huh. Right. So, since every generation has a little different yeah. or a lot different childhood, um, you know, there's some things that are that although they will change over time, they're they're working off of a, a different foundation. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, that's great uh, insight because yeah, uh, the generations question uh, gets, um, you know, it gets bandied about quite a lot and, um, you know, having a, a Gen Zer currently, it is interesting to notice what, um, and I think the change curve that you talked about really has um, started with the millennials actually, because um, the, you know, all the email and internet and computer inundation that they had, you know, there was no choice, but for them to just quickly move th to a different 
um, existence is just very dynamic. So it's, you know, it's, uh, it, we, we talk about um, change being so hard, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it depends on what generation you're in. Hmm. Because uh, think about it, Gen, um, you know, millennials and then Gen Z. Uh, now there's Gen Alpha that's coming up. The um, but the younger your generation, the more you're just change is literally Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, it's not you know uh, uh, leading. You know, every generation is is leading, middle, and trailing. Trailing's a lot like the next generation. Leading is a lot like the previous generation. Mm -hmm. Right. So so. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's <laughs> there's a lot of variation in it. So, but all that being said. Um, you know the with all of this change that's a, that's occurring uh, now, and that that is like a dogleg, you know, a hockey stick, if you want to call it that, mm -hmm. that's almost going uh, straight up. Um, it's it does mean that it's challenging all of us to uh, evolve, think differently, change, and boy, um, uh, doing that in a playful way has never been um, more important. Um, I don't know if you know this. But when you take a look at all the different forms of entertainment, there's one that has one, and it's um, video games. Mm -hmm. Video games, uh, by the end of this year, the experts are saying uh, it's going to be a um, quarter of a trillion dollars or more in terms of the size of the industry. And the very next closest form of entertainment is uh, box office at $20 billion. It's literally an order of magnitude difference. That's how how powerful um, these interactive forms of play um, have become. Mm -hmm. They're they're just um, ubiquitous, and you know we we do it uh, here, and we do it yeah. at our computers, and we do it at consoles, and uh, uh, millennials in particular led the charge. Mm. So, so when I say we're all becoming more millennial, it also means we're all we're all being drawn into more into this world of digital fun as well. Mm -hmm. hmm. Well, let me just uh, dig in a little bit to kind of just your history with play. Would you say that you're a, a good at playing yourself? Um. I I would say I enjoy playing, <laughs> and it depends on what we're talking about. Uh, playing my my family, everyone, my wife, my two adult sons, uh, and when they weren't adult, um, we all play video games. So um, you know we know a lot about that form of, of playing and all of its different uh, forms and formats. Um, but a, a lot of it also has to do with how do you de define play. Right, because playing is does isn't at all defined by a structured game or a structured toy. It's it really is uh, a state mm. that you get yourself in, mm -hmm. right? Is yeah, the exploration and the right know, like inundation where time kind of evaporates. A, a, a willingness to uh, accept freeform risk, right? Uh, and and a willingness to uh, test and try and explore, and see what happens. Right. So it's it's um, some play is determinate, but some play isn't. Some play is 
is not determinate. And uh, so, you know, I, I think if we define play just as the stuff that people can sell us, we're probably seeing only the top of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that. Yep. Yeah, gives me a lot of hope. <laughs> <laughs> De definitely. And, um, you know, I think this is also, you know, we switch over to talking about kids for a minute, too, because there's part of my career that was spent running uh, all of Hasbro's R&D for um, a little more than a decade. Mm -hmm. You're a toy uh, maker, for sure. Yeah, 100%. And um, when you talk about kids, it, it even takes on a new dimension because kids, their brains are busy forming and their bodies are busy forming. And they they uh, really, really need good play, really good play. Mm -hmm. um, they need physical play. They need social play. They need play with mathematical concepts. Um, they need play that is exploring the physical world. They need play that introduces concepts and challenges them with it and allows them to play with those concepts and cause and effect. And, and all of those things form a really good human being if, if we have great, great play when we're kids. But what's key is those mechanisms don't, what millennials are showing us this, they don't shut off when you become an adult. Mm -hmm. We just move them into the things that uh, we do as an adult. But what's different between adult play and young person play? Well, um, it, again, it depends on the, the age, because I would argue that an 11-year-old is doing play that's pretty close to adult play. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's, more, there's some social things they're exploring for sure, but... For instance, they can now hold an entire story in all of its permutations in their head the same way an adult can. Yeah. So when they're going to play in a story, they're going to do it very richly the same way that an adult can do it very richly, which is part of the reason why um, toys, for instance, have become much younger than they used to be. Because uh, kids... Uh, you know, it's, if you're going to define the uh, really excellent, excellent play, I have three words that I use. Mm -hmm. Immersion, agency, mm -hmm. and um, uh, 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 socializing, right? Or community. Use the word community. Emergency, uh, immersion, agency, and community. You can get those things by watching a um, very cool movie or reading a book. And then playing with the toys. So immersion is the book. The toys are agency. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then social is as you develop, there's a point where you start to become social and you're going to play with others. Video games do all three at the same time. Hmm. Toys don't. Hmm. That's why I see. play for the seven and up kids Mm -hmm. has largely been gobbled up by video games. Interesting. It's not because it's rotting their brain. It's because it's giving them the three power punches yeah. that the human mind and psyche are looking for, right? Mm -hmm. And it's doing it all at the same time. And it's, it's, it's more vivid than an action figure. 
What would you say about the benefits of something that you can hold and move through, you know, three-dimensional space? Is there any benefit? Well, to for, for kids, absolutely essential. Mm -hmm. uh, there's there's a gazillion ways it's it's wiring their brains to understand the world. Absolutely essential, right? Um, as an adult, um, you know, less essential, but I would also argue that, um, you know, you want to have, uh, it, I'm, I'm going to see, I'm going to say this and, and it's like suddenly people are going to start putting it in their planning. Oh, I need, I need to have some physical play. <laughs> um, you want it to be organic, I think. But um, so you want to inspire people to have physical play because I think there are, it's not just that it helps your body. I think it goes back into that wiring that uh, teaches differently. And remember, we're in the time where change is like this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so as adults, we are no longer out of the business of change. Right. We're in it and play is essential. Mm -hmm. At least the way that play teaches us is essential or being playful. Um, you know, cause that's, that is what is about bracing the new, embracing the new, trying it, being vulnerable, being playful about it, having discovery, all of the above. Yeah, so the physical piece of it, me, I'm an occupational therapist and I am a sensory um, integration therapist. So, uh, and, you know, educators all over also know this. It's just the the more um, tracks in the brain you can hit on. So the 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 sound tracks, the um, touch tracks, the smell tracks, the all of the sensory tracks, if you can kind of create something in the brain that has um, those pieces to it the more your brain will want to keep following it and keep uh, put it in the, you know, amygdala, the memories places. And then, you know, the kernel has grown. It's growing. <laughs> so uh, can... Absolutely. The, you know, this is also why um, I think uh, the economy notwithstanding, that's a separate conversation we don't need to have today. Um, the uh, That uh, actual the, the location-based um, experiences um, can and are in some ways, um, it, you know, it's a, a pinnacle experience for play. Mm -hmm. uh, it's also a pinnacle experience for story. Is there is there's there there is almost no more powerful way to uh, play in a story than to actually uh, immerse yourself in a place that has a certain amount of real to it mm -hmm. and actually have real physical um interactions um yes uh you know the theme parks are all in trouble They're, that's a function of the economy it still doesn't lessen the fact that that's true mm -hmm. but it's still fun to pretend to be a jedi in a, a, as a 30 year old or something and it's still fun to go to harry potter land and experience a you know bert's butter bean or whatever I didn't say that right, but anyway. <laughs> I think it's birdies. Yes. Birdies. Yeah. What are those? Oh, better beer. That's what I was thinking of. And then I was thinking of the candy shop, birdies candy shop. Anyway, fun times, right? There's some physicality to it um, that uh, is inspiring for sure. So I know that you need to go, Kevin. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for, you know, it, this conversation for sharing your wisdom with us about story and about play. You had so many great things that um, 
I'm thinking about and still, you know, the, the change curve that's uh, all the way straight up and uh, how adapting um, affordances that play gives and just the three keys for a playful story. Thank you so much. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, and thank you again um, for having me on. This has been uh, a fun and playful conversation. <laughs> See, this this was playful, free form, and we got to explore and we had fun in the process. Uh, it's just, uh, it's such a different thing when you allow yourself to be playful. That's so true. Now, I want you to get out there and play, everybody. Let's build a world that's a little lighter, a little less harsh, and a little more connected. Let's build the world that we want to have. And don't forget to follow Playfully on Spotify or Apple or wherever you're listening right now. Our episodes come out on Wednesdays every week so you can get inspired to play right over that hump through the rest of the week. I'd love to know what you think. So would you please leave me a comment? And if you liked the episode, share it with one or two others. And take care, everybody.